Welcome in, everyone, to the latest edition of the Sports Roundtable on this March the 12th, 2019. Being brought to you by Three Guys Fitness in Reedsville, Brouhaha in Kingwood, and Shortcuts in Morgantown. This first segment is being brought to you by Brouhaha and Shortcuts. And starting off tonight, we're going to be talking about the biggest deal the Steelers have probably made in their history, trading away star wide receiver and disgruntled wide receiver Antonio Brown to the Oakland Raiders where a lot of people are questioning this trade and wondering if the Steelers really got their money's worth out of it. I know at one point the Steelers were wanting a first-round pick, and as you see right now, they have not gotten their first-round pick. And one thing that could keep these Steelers fans hope is the trade does not go final until tomorrow at 3 p.m. when the official beginning of the league's new year starts tomorrow and that's when all the trades will go through the Nick Foles signing the Joe Flacco trade to the Denver Broncos that's when all that's when the NFL's new year starts and with that I want to welcome in Kelly Gamble as he's here sitting beside me here to analyze this trade with me Kelly how are you pleasure as always to be with you Aaron I appreciate you having me on well I look forward to divulging into the Steelers even though I am a disgruntled fan with what Antonio Brown has done and the mud he has drug the Rooney name through the Rooney's being known as one of the most consistent with when it comes to terms of ownership the Steelers only going through three head coaches in like the last 50 years Chuck Knoll Bill Cowher Mike Tomlin and if you look at all the other teams, at all the coaching changes, even including the New England Patriots, who now tied the Steelers with six Super Bowls, they have had more changes in the last 20 years than the Steelers have had in the last 50 years. So it just goes to show that th- this is times the Steelers are not used to. The Steelers are not used to drama. And I think I think the real reason the Steelers got rid of Antonio Brown for the low ball, the, the low amount that they did, is just to get the cancer out of the locker room. What do you think? Well, let me just say that first and foremost, uh, I'm more in the Chuck Knoll era. Uh, you didn't see this type of shenanigans is what I'll call it. Um, we live in a different generation. Um, basically, it seems like players run, uh, you know, players are trying to run the owners and the coaches now uh, rather than the owners and the coaches making every uh, personnel decision. And it just seems to me that the players now get get upset when they don't get their way, Aaron. And, you know, when someone don't get their way, the bottom line is they are getting paid by a team. They are getting paid to play a sport that they love. And, you know, when I say the Chuck Knoll era, if Jack Lampert would be in the locker room uh, with A.B. Brown, I'm sure that Jack would have took care of those things. And Mean Joe Green and L.C. Greenwood and uh, Donnie Schell and Mel Blunt and the, the players of the 70s. There was no such thing as this happening back then. And, and actually, that was uh, there wasn't even free agency back then whenever the Steelers uh, went on a run and won their first four Super Bowls. And, and I'm just to the point, to be honest with you, that professional sports uh, for me, and I think I spoke this on one of our other podcasts, Aaron, I'm just not into all the drama as well either. Uh, I think that right now I'm pretty content to to watch college sports, uh, the high school round, to see kids that's going to compete and go out there and play hard. But uh, when when these players make this kind of money and then the act the way that they do, uh, I just don't think it's a true sign of a professional. Uh, I think that when you sign with a team that you obligate yourself to that team, you commit yourself to that team, and whatever the coach and the ownership says is what goes. 
I couldn't agree with you more, Kelly, with what you just said. You hit the nail on the head with every statement you made there. The one thing I want to let the Steelers fans know and the people listening more and more, what hurts me more and more about this Antonio Brown deal and what A.B. did to the Pittsburgh Steelers organization as a whole is he just recently signed a brand new contract back in 2017. So he is literally only two years into his brand new contract. And now, just because he apparently gets yelled at by Ben Roethlisberger, he gets called out by his team, you know. I'm a person, I'm a man of my word. If I get called out by somebody, I, I it's time to check yourself and see why people are calling you out and for reasons. If it, I mean, Roethlisberger has won two Super Bowls, went to three his his wisdom is worth some worth some merit, and if he's calling Antonio Brown out, I think he should listen. Well, the, the bottom line is again, I'm I just turned fifty years old, Aaron, and when I played in high school, even uh, my football, basketball, baseball coaches was all disciplinarians, and my basketball coach was basically the Bobby Knight uh, disciple. And, you know, if you didn't play defense, if you didn't do it the way he said to do it, you're coming out, you're going to be sitting down, and you're going to be hearing some things that, you know, maybe uh, this day and age that that kids don't hear, and I think that's one of the problems. Um, We just don't respect discipline anymore. And I think that we're seeing that even, uh, you know, I'm going to, I know we're going to go to the Mountaineers in a little bit, but I'll just use uh, Bob Huggins' season that he's having at West Virginia University as a basketball coach. I know we're talking Steeler football. The whole point is, though, when it comes to, again, ownership, coaching, and leadership, um, there's just nobody that wants to truly be taught, and everybody thinks that uh, they're they're good enough or they're too good or they put up this numbers or that number. And A.B., he has put up good numbers, no doubt about it. He's one of the best receivers in the NFL when it comes to production. However, uh, the, the mouth can really get you in trouble, and when you have uh, a situation and conflict within the Steelers organization – um, I think that basically when there's a cancer, anybody that has cancer wants to get rid of it. And in this case right now, A.B. Brown has become a cancer, which causes division and where there's no unity. And we know the old saying, Aaron, there's no I in team. And A.B. Brown has made himself the I in the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. And it looks to me like they're going to get rid of the cancer that's causing the infection. And, I, and I'm actually glad with what they're doing. I mean, as much as I hate to see the talent in Antonio Brown go, I think this is exactly what the Steelers need to do. And just like you're talking about cancer, when somebody has cancer, they want to get rid of it at all costs. Just kind of like the Steelers. The Steelers took probably one of the worst trades they could for their best player just to get rid of him. And I think I think it just goes to show what kind of what kind of uh, just stress he's caused the team, the stress he's caused the ownership. Now, one thing I want to want to say one more thing, at least on the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I really didn't mention it before we talked tonight, is the Le'Veon Bell deal. Le'Veon Bell, more than likely, he's going to go to a different team. He's going to play somewhere else, possibly against the Steelers next year. He has not signed anywhere as of yet. He will become an unrestricted free agent at the beginning of the league's new year. With that being said, what Antonio Brown done this year made me gain a little more respect for Le'Veon Bell, and I'll tell you why. The reason I gained more respect for Le'Veon Bell is because he did not sign the franchise tag. He did not sign it because he thought he was worth more. He thought he could get more money, so he did not sign it. Antonio Brown signed this contract two years ago for five years, basically saying, this five years, this is what I think I'm going to be worth. Le'Veon Bell said, no, I don't think his franchise tag is worth 
is is what I'm worth. So I'm not going to sign it. He never showed up. He really wasn't on he really wasn't on social media that much. I mean, there was a couple tweets he put out, but he wasn't like Antonio Brown blowing up social media, making these outrageous comments. What would you think of that, Kelly? Would you do you understand with what I'm saying? How I've gained a little more respect. I'm not saying I like him, but I've gained more respect for well, what he done. Well, I do understand, but the bottom line is what we're speaking of, and what you're speaking of is contractual obligation. So uh, Le'Veon Bell wasn't under a contract because he didn't sign it. However, AB was, and when you sign a five-year tender contract, then basically you need to play out that five-year contract and, and not cause all the stink and the fuss. And, and in the long run, to be honest with you, the Steelers gave in to him, and because from what they're getting in return, they're not getting equal value. And when you don't get equal value, basically then, if it was up to me, I think that there needs to be uh, some things that's done within all professional sports when it comes to the money that's being thrown around out there. Uh, I'm not saying that some of these guys aren't worth some uh, money because it puts people in the seats, and that's what pays their salaries. So with that being said, though, when you sign a contract, I personally believe, Aaron, that a contract is a contract. And when you sign the dotted line, you are obligated. If you sign with the military, you've signed up and you've sacrificed something for your country, and you're supposed to obligate yourself to the United States military and to the United States of America to protect our freedom. Well, when it comes to a contract and someone's getting paid that kind of money, and here you have military men out here fighting for a country that is not getting this type of money. And, and I've always heard, you know, you see these things on social media. Why is it that these professional athletes, again, they're playing games that they love, cannot obligate themselves to a five-year contract, but we have men in, out here and women that is fighting for a country and does not even come close to the amount of money and the benefits that they should be receiving to protect our freedom and basically, it's contractual obligation, and I think that something needs to be done, something needs to change, and therefore, that's why I have a hard time. I do because we're on these sports shows. I look things up. I, I pay attention, but not the way I used to in the 70s and the 80s and even in the early 90s. Uh, free agency came about, changed the game, uh, Aaron, and I know that you're a little younger. So, you know, you wasn't uh, around back in the days when free agency was not even an, an issue. When you signed a contract with a team and you were drafted by them, that's the team you were going to play for. And so in the Steelers' dynasty, when they won their first four Super Bowls, you had players that was playing for years and drawing that unity together and camaraderie as a team. And, and with, with all the free agency and the ways that contracts are now, it's just not the same, which therefore, to me, the game is not the same. And, and I just have a hard time personally with all of it. But... The whole issue, as you're speaking, though, with the Le'Veon Bell is about contractual obligation, which he didn't have, A.B. did, and again, the Steelers are going to end up paying the price for this. Um, and it's to me, it's just a, it's a shame. Well, I, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I really, I, I, I can't agree with you more. Contractually, a contract is a contract is a contract. And apparently in the NFL, a contract doesn't mean anything. So, with that, folks, we're going to transition into... Our second segment where we're talking about the WVU baseball team, their sweep over Kent State last week at Montegale County Ballpark. Uh, Kelly Gamble's got updates with how they're going today. And going into this show at this time, they're winning 9-3 to three in the bottom of the eighth inning. Yeah, Moorhead State, they're playing a, a two-game series against Moorhead State uh, after the three-game sweep um, at Mountaineer um, down in Morgantown. Um, they... 
swept a three-game series against Kent State, which is from the MAC. Now, Kent State was predicted to possibly be in the uh, contender for winning the MAC title this year. So that's a bigger uh, series than what some people may think when it comes to Kent State. Kent State has always been known for a baseball program there in Ohio, and they're always a contender in the MAC. So the three-game series and sweep uh, give the Mountaineers a four-game winning streak. And if they continue where they're at right now at this particular moment as we speak, as Aaron said, the Mountaineers are up 9-3 to three at Moorhead State. Moorhead State has, is a baseball team that has had some wins this year that, that people didn't expect. They have a really good record. So if West Virginia goes on and wins this game, as it looks as though they should, the Mountaineers will be on a five-game winning streak and they're, will up their record to 10-5. and five. Now, that first beginning game of the five-game winning streak, again, if they finish this out at Moorhead State, was against the team that won the national championship last year, the Oregon State Beavers, that we spoke on the last podcast. So that was a huge win uh, out in Corvallis, Oregon, to start this five-game winning streak as a 2 nothing victory out there in Oregon. Really set the Mountaineers and set the pace for what's going on right now with this winning streak. So the Mountaineers are playing some good baseball. The bats are coming alive right now. The pitching staff has been good the entire season so far. So I'm really looking forward to the upcoming season. Again, you can uh, hear it right here on WKMM as the Mountaineers will be facing Baylor uh, that'll be the first game that uh, WKMM will have. Um, so what, what's the date of that, Aaron? March 22nd. March 22nd. They will start a three-game series with Baylor and uh, WKMM 96.7 K-Country, and it can also be uh, live stream on uh, kcountryradio.com. There we go. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's the first time that uh, this radio station has ever aired Mountaineer Baseball, and uh, I've been trying to listen to most of the games and stay up with them this year and uh, had the opportunity to go down and see one this year earlier. So Mountaineers are looking good right now. Coach Maisie is a is a heck of a coach. Uh, I'm looking forward to what he brings to the Mountaineer Baseball team this year and into our future. We're getting a lot of draft picks from uh, West Virginia University in baseball, and uh you know, we have a, a few right now that's in the major leagues. So uh, Mountaineer baseball program is definitely on the upswing, Aaron. It has definitely been revitalized, I think, ever since Randy Mazie was brought in. I have not seen nothing. I've heard nothing but good things of this man. He has really revitalized the team transitioning from Holly Field into Montegelli County Ballpark. It took a couple years to get started, but I think this year is going to be a very good year from what I'm seeing the pitching, one pitcher already named to uh, All-American, if I do believe, Alex Manoa, which at one time that was unheard of with WVU baseball. So with that, folks, the first two segments of the sports roundtable is going to come to an end. We're going to be transitioning into the second portion of our show with a word from our sponsor, Three Guys Fitness. Three Guys Fitness near Reedsville is Preston County's premier 24-hour fitness facility offering a safe and secure environment to help you achieve your fitness goals. Their family-friendly atmosphere is the best environment to create a better you. If you want to feel younger, perform better in sports, or just be able to carry your laundry up the stairs, Three Guys Fitness is for you. Mention you heard this on K-Country and receive $5 off your initial membership fee. Three Guys Fitness near Reedsville. And welcome back in for the second portion of the Sports Roundtable. I'm Aaron Host, sitting alongside Kelly Gamble. We're going over the Mountaineer basketball team and as they are wrapping up their season. They're coming up against their 
first opponent in the Big 12 title game tomorrow night, Wednesday night, against Oklahoma, a team of which they beat in Morgantown this year. Kelly, are their odds good? What are you thinking? No, they're definitely not good, Aaron. I mean, the Mountaineers finished in last place. They had an opportunity against Oklahoma State uh, on Saturday to actually get out of that last place position to go into the nine seed, but uh, they did not come away with a victory. And uh, But, you know, this young team, uh, after the uh, basically dismantling of the Mountaineer basketball team with four starters not uh, being there that started the season, uh, as we know that uh, Wes Harris and Issa Ahmad was both dismissed from the team, as well as Sags Kanate and James Beetle Bolden both going down with injuries. Uh, Bolden has chosen also to put his name into the portal, and he will be transferring. But this young group of kids with the freshmen, uh, there's no doubt that uh, McCabe has played well and Haley's played well, and Derek Culver, uh, he was a runner-up as freshman of the year, but he also got second team um, all-conference in the Big 12. So, I'm looking forward to this young team, and right now, if the Mountaineers um, bow out of the Big 12 tournament, um, no matter what, they're not going to be eligible for the NIT unless they – the only way to go to the NCAA is for them to win four games in four days, and that starts tomorrow night uh, against Oklahoma. So they would have to – the only way they can earn uh, NCAA tournament to go to the big dance is to win those four straight games starting with Oklahoma – um, you never know. They might be able to pull off that first one. But uh, no, is their odds good? No, their odds are not good. Um, when you finish 10th uh, in, in a 10-team league, so your odds definitely are against you. Uh, however, uh, Shane Lyons, the athletic director at WVU, has said that he wants to extend the season. And they now, and starting in 2008, they have a, a tournament called the CBI. Uh, so you can go into another tournament, even if you get beat, and you end up with a losing record. So if the Mountaineers lose that first round, they're going to be 12 and 20. But you can pay $50,000, and there's 16 teams that enter into the CBI. Uh, this is um, a tournament that has included in the past that has won Oregon, Pitt, Nevada, Virginia Commonwealth. All of these teams has won the CBI. And what uh, Coach Huggins is looking for is for these young kids to get extended time in practice, extended game experience. And so if you pay $50,000 to enter into this tournament, these kids can then have some more home games. West Virginia can take back the revenue and actually gain money, even though they have to pay $50,000, Aaron, to get into this tournament. Now, again, that's only if we would not run the table four games in a row and enter into the big dance. But that would be the, probably the biggest upset probably in, uh, in the history of the Big 12 that the Mountaineers could, as a 10 seed, run it. So that's not likely. But it would be nice to see these young kids get more experience and playing time, a practice time, and continue to gel and get ready for next season. Well, from what I'm hearing, I'm just going to go ahead and mark it down that they're going to play in this tournament, that there's going to be some more home games in Morgantown. Now, my feelings towards a tournament like this, granted the Mountaineers are down on their luck, they basically destroyed themselves from within, from players that were cancerous in a way, you could say, uh, just as the Steelers, uh, the Mountaineers had the talent. They were ranked 13th at the beginning of the year, and you saw where that got them. And going back to the Steelers, the Steelers were one of the teams that was in the running for the Super Bowl this year, and they didn't even make the playoffs. So it just goes to show chemistry plays a huge role, and no matter how good the team is, if you don't got the chemistry, generally you're not going far. Absolutely. But with a tournament like this, I don't know if I agree with a tournament like this. I think it kind of goes back to college football where you're given a bowl game to 
mediocre teams and teams that underperformed. I think there should be set a standard to no matter what team you are, no matter what your circumstances are, if you do not play good, your season is over with after the Big 12 tournament. I think I think that's the way it should be. I don't think the Mountaineers should play in this tournament. Well, I think that uh, from what I'm reading here, and again in the Dominion Post, uh, Coach Huggins is excited to get these players some some more practice time. And But I, I agree with you, Aaron. I think that whenever you put a team that would be, again, if we lose our first-round game in the Big 12 tomorrow night, we're looking at 12 wins and 20 losses. So, you know, the kids are getting rewarded for definitely not even a mediocre season. Uh, this is actually a, an abysmal season for the Mountaineer basketball team. Uh, but, I mean, I can see the upside of it as getting them practice time. But, you know, what you also do is you risk injury, though, to some of these kids as well. But that's always going to be in any tournament that you would enter or any regular season game as well. But I agree with, with you when it comes to that statement that, uh, you know, we did have a few teams that was 5-7 and seven a few years ago here in the college football bowl games. I don't know that there was any this past season. I think that every team actually was at least 6-6 six and six that entered into the, the bowl games this year. But uh, basically, 12-20, and 20, I agree with you. If that would be the case and we lose to Oklahoma tomorrow night, they shouldn't be uh, playing any, any further. But you know what it comes down to, even in college. What's it come down to? Money. Exactly. Uh, he's making a gesture over there with his fingers. So that's exactly right. Even if it's a $50,000 payout to enter into a tournament, the Mountaineers can still um, make money if they enter into this tournament and have home games. So the bottom line is uh, money talks, and that's exactly what it is. Money will be made if they enter into this tournament and if they extend it by actually winning at home. And, you know, you never know. With the season they had, they may play one game and be one and done. I don't know exactly all the um, the stipulations with this tournament. I don't know exactly how it even runs, to be honest with you. I do know that it's been in existence since 2008, um, but we will see what happens, and it'll all start tomorrow night to see whether we continue on in the Big 12 tournament or whether we bow out at 12 and 20. Well, the final thing I want to say in terms of when it comes to the West Virginia Mountaineers basketball team is I think with a tournament like this, yet again, I'm kind of reverberating what I've already said, is your reward a mediocre play. And actually, for the Mountaineers, this is very subpar. So I think... I think money aside, the NCAA should step in and say, hey, if your team is not at least 500 in in college basketball, 500 being having an even record, I think you you should be done. I think your season should be done. In the past, that's exactly the way it was. I mean, the NIT, um, a lot of people called it even then the not important tournament um, because, you know, the NCAA, the big dance – is what everybody wants to make. you got 68 teams that enter into that, and then you have a 32 more that enter into the NIT, uh, and now you're having these other tournaments. I know there's a, there's also a couple more, if I'm not mistaken, not just the CBI, there's some other tournaments that, that actually allow teams that don't have a winning record in as well. So it's becoming, again, just more and more about uh, about money, and uh, you know, college athletics is following the, the trend. And uh, I don't know really what else to say other than the fact that uh, – I hope that the Mountaineers can actually regroup and, and turn turn things around, turn this program around, and, and Huggins gets them going back in the right direction. Well, I agree to that point. I hope Huggins does get it turned around, but I do want to see an end to this season. I think I think it should be put put behind them. I think the season should be done. Fire it back up again in November. So let's transition into our fourth and final segment here tonight. We're talking about we're talking hockey. 
We're talking the Pittsburgh Penguins, their push for the playoffs. They are tied for the sixth spot in the Eastern Conference with the Carolina Hurricanes. If the playoffs were to end, if the playoffs were to start today, the Pittsburgh Penguins would be in the seventh spot in the, in the NHL Eastern Conference playoffs on their way to the Stanley Cup. Um, Another note that I've seen about the Pittsburgh Penguins, they are kind of on a roll. I do kind of get the feeling that the march of the Penguins is on. They're 4-1 and one in their last five games, beating the Boston Bruins convincingly. The Boston Bruins, a team of which who had not lost a regulation game in 19 games. They had not lost a regulation loss since January, which is outstanding. The last time I can remember anything done like that was when there was a shortened playoffs or there was a shortened hockey season in the NHL coming off of the lockout. The Pittsburgh Penguins ran the table in the month of March, did not even lose a game in the month of March. So, and then they got swept in the NHL Eastern Conference standings against the Boston Bruins. Well, this is something I spoke on last week's podcast, Aaron. It seems like the Penguins always play up to the competition when they're playing the the teams that are winning teams and and good teams, good solid fundamental hockey teams in the NHL, they seem to play up to the competition. But when they play some of the lower tier teams in the NHL, for some reason, they seem to have a letdown at times. So, And hopefully, again, I think we spoke last week that right now it looks as though that they're in that position. They're four points ahead of uh, two other teams that have 79 points. I think you said that they're tied with Carolina with 83. Uh, there's two teams right below them at 79. So there's still some hockey to be played yet for these playoffs to be determined. But uh, I think that the Penguins sometimes do better whenever they're behind the eight ball. So uh, whenever they're coming, if they end up in that six, seven, eight position, uh, the bottom line is make the playoffs. Once you get in, everybody starts the season at zero and zero. So I'm looking forward again, as I said last week, to the, this playoff push and uh, and possibly bringing a, another Stanley Cup back to Pittsburgh. Well, with uh, when it comes to terms of the Stanley Cup playoffs, it is a, literally a marathon. It's a four playoff series, so you got to play in the you got to play in the quarterfinals, the semifinals, the conference finals, and then it comes the, and then it comes essentially the Stanley Cup. But it's such a marathon, and when the Penguins were winning it back to back years, I think it um, spoiled us Penguins fans to expect that high of a level every year. And when you got players like they do, we expect it every year. I mean, you got literally top three lines. That could be some teams' top two lines. You got Evgeny Malkin, who could be a number one center on any other team if he wasn't on the Penguins. You're talking about Phil Kessel, who could be on the number one line if he was on any other team but the Pittsburgh Penguins. And we're able to keep guys like this, but yet we're fighting for a playoff spot like this. It makes you wonder, is there a chemistry issue there? There's always been rumors about trading Phil Kessel, whom of which who just came off a very long scoreless drought. He scored a game in... For, for the first time and whoever knows. I mean, it's been a long time since he scored a goal. The two teams that are below the Penguins when it comes to the wild card is the Columbus Columbus Blue Jackets and the Montreal Canadiens, both teams of which have beat the Penguins this year. The Columbus Blue Jackets, who just beat the Pittsburgh Penguins, they, they know how to play them. Both teams know how to play. I think a lot of times that hockey is just it's matchups. I mean, any sport sometimes there's certain teams that that you'd rather play, and I think it becomes because of matchups. Sometimes it could be because of the physicality. Sometimes it could be speed. Uh, so there's different 
things and aspects of the game that I just think that always when you have a matchup, when I see and hear coaches talk about certain matchups, they just feel more confident against some teams than they do others. So um, with that being said, though, I think that the Penguins will make the playoffs. I'm going to go ahead and say that right now and say that they will make the playoffs and that they will do well. Uh, will they win the Stanley Cup? I'm not going to go that far right now, but it'd be great if they wouldn't, Aaron. I know you're a big hockey fan. Uh, my hockey days go back to the beginning, back in the Mario Lemieux days of 91, 92, when they went back to back. And that got me excited, uh, you know, being from here an uh, hour and a half away from Pittsburgh. Um, it was a big thing for, for Pittsburgh Penguin hockey fans back then to see that beginning of the push and the Penguins again now. What, which Stanley Cup are they going for? Their sixth? This will be their sixth. And, six. you know, is that not ironic that whenever the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, so at one time the Steelers uh, and the Pirates in 1979, the city was known as the City of Champions. So if the Penguins can uh, proceed forward and, and make a run, they can actually uh, have that six. Uh, Stanley Cup to go along with the Pittsburgh Steelers' six Super Bowls. Yeah. Well, I think all that was time will tell. The Steelers have six. The Penguins have six. It's time for the Pittsburgh Pirates to win theirs. Buddy, that hasn't happened since I was 10 years old. So, again, I just became 50 years old. So we're talking 40 years since the Pirates has won a baseball World Series, and I was against the Baltimore Orioles. I was 10 years old playing Little League football, and I, I remember going home and watching my little black-and-white TV and Willie Stargell, old pops. He uh, he became the MVP of the 1979 World Series, and uh, God rest his soul. But, again, those are back in the days whenever it was called the Lumber Company. Um, the Lumber Company has been asleep for a while. And, you know, right now the Pirates are 7-10 and 10 in uh, preseason exhibition baseball. So, you know, those things don't really count. They put the, the record in the papers, and uh, it's out there. But I am looking forward to it again, as I said last week, that my dad is a huge baseball fan, huge Pittsburgh Pirate fan. Aaron, he talks about 1960 when uh, Mazeroski hit the game-winning home run against the New York Yankees to win 10-9 to in the seventh game of the World Series. And it's not often that someone hits a walk-off homer in the seventh game of the World Series, especially to beat the New York Yankees. I could not imagine that today if that were to happen at P. Park. If there was a walk-off home run in Game 7, there would literally be pandemonium on the field at PNC Park. But, folks, we've ran out of time for this edition of the Sports Roundtable. We would like to thank our sponsors, Brouhaha, Shortcuts, and Three Guys Fitness. Also, the artwork provided that shows up on your iTunes podcast is being brought to you by Robert Flores, who designed it especially for us here at 96.7. Be sure to tune in next Tuesday at 8 o'clock. We'll bring you the next edition of the Sports Roundtable here on 96.7. Good evening.